You've been sold the idea that financial independence is all about some number on your account statement, or even worse, that you don't qualify because of where you started out. That's just not true. It's not about some well-kept secret of the wealthy. It's about finding the right information and knowing how to apply it. On the Get Ready for the Future show, we're answering your questions so you can start making real financial change today. The journey to true financial independence begins right here, and it starts with you. We exist to help people discover, protect, and share true financial independence. And we are doing it for the next hour as we get started on the Get Ready for the Future show. Glad to have you along once again. I'm Scott Inman. John Shrewsbury here uh, with us to take your questions. If you've got one, you can call or text them in. Now, of course, we're doing this uh, live to tape, as they used to say, right? I mean, we live stream on Wednesdays. You may be hearing this via podcast you may be hearing this on the radio so if you are calling or texting it's not going to be a live question so you don't have to get nervous right that's right you can call it in and or text to 501-381-5228 whole show is about taking your questions if you get them into us you can listen next week and we may be able to get your question on the air i'm just like that old pat benatar song hit me with your best shot come on i i I love to answer questions and love to help you uh find ways to become financially independent and that's what we're going to do today listen if we don't know the answer we'll find it for you right right? absolutely so before we get into the question and answer portion of the show we want to tell you about a great opportunity we mentioned that we exist to to help people discover protect and share true financial independence the way we do that is through education we get a lot of that uh, we give a lot of that i should say on this show by having people ask their questions and we give them our best answers available but we also occasionally do what we call workshops or events to allow you to come in and hear from an expert right and that expert is in this case jeffrey roach he is the chief economist for LPL Financial. LPL Financial is the broker-dealer that we use here at Wealth Financial Advisors. And Jeffrey's been featured. You may have even heard his name. You probably would recognize his voice or uh, his face. He has been seen on CNBC, Fox Business, and U.S. News. We've had him on the Get Ready for the Future show multiple times. We're going to be talking through his outlook on the markets, and we're going to include your questions in that, too. So we're also going to be recording the Get Ready for the Future show at that event. So it's going to be a great event for you uh, to get your questions answered about the economy. The date is Tuesday, August 22nd. The time is 6.30. The location is the Chenal event venue. That's out West Little Rockway, just off Chenal Parkway, if you know where the uh, U.S. Pizza is, right across the street from the Promenade Shopping Center. That is where we're going to be doing this on August 22nd at 6.30. Now, it's free, all events from Gen Wealth are, but seating is limited. So if you want to reserve your spot for this event to see Jeffrey Roach and get your questions asked uh, and get your questions answered by the Gen Wealth team and the chief economist at LPL Financial, call 866-653-PLAN. That's 866-653-7526 or visit GetReadyForTheFuture.com forward slash economy to reserve your seats. And Scott, Jeffrey is no lightweight when it comes to the economy. He was, uh, before he came to LPL Financial, he was the chief economist for Visa. So he knows a lot about what's going on in the economy. As you mentioned, a lot of the national news networks rely on his expertise to come on their show and to talk a little bit about what's going on in the economy. And we've got him for probably about an hour, I would imagine, 
uh, on that uh, date, the August 22nd date at 6.30. We'll be there for about an hour or so. And Jeffrey is is totally wide open to answering really any question. And, and he loves to do it that way. Uh, he and I have had lots of conversations in the past. And, and I'm really excited that he's coming to Little Rock and, and going to be part of what we're doing here at GenWealth. So let me give you the uh, ways to register one more time. The number to call is 866-653-PLAN. That's 866-653-7526, or visit online, getreadyforthefuture.com forward slash economy, free event, but we need you to reserve your seats. We already have people starting to do that, so yep. uh, space is limited, and we need you to get on board with that if you want to uh, hang out with Jeffrey Roach and the uh, the GenWealth team on August 22nd. You know, it has been a little while since we've had him on, and uh, we've been talking for months if not year and a half or so now, is the recession coming? And that's going to be one of the top yeah. questions. And I wonder where Jeffrey lands on this because there is a true divergence among economists like probably we've never seen on are we or aren't we going to enter a recession? And I'm not an economist, but we've been saying on this show for a long time that we haven't seen any real evidence of a recession and still don't at this point. Now, you know, there's a lot of people that said, yeah, but uh, that yeah, but will get you in trouble. You know, you've got right. to be... You've got to be understanding really what the facts are, not just how you're feeling. And Scott, I mentioned this to you yesterday. I think some of these folks out here are allowing their personal political, uh, you know, per- persuasion, whatever it is, yeah. that they maybe don't like the current administration to spill over in color maybe their economic forecast. I don't think Jeffrey does that, and we certainly don't do that. We try to call it like we see it, mm-hmm. and uh, we'll we'll be interested to see what Jeffrey's. Uh, uh, prognostication is going to be for the economy going forward. Yeah, the thing about uh, predicting the economy, it's like predicting the uh, weather forecast, right? If you In go Arkansas, exactly. If you can, you know, tomorrow you got a pretty good idea. You get out to the seven day and it's crapshoot, right? Yeah. So that's the same way with uh, trying to predict the economy. The near term is a little more in in, in clarity, but the long term is uh, you don't want to be making investment decisions on long term predictions on the economy, other than to say you can bet on history and say the U.S. economy will do well in the long term. Right. All right, let's get into our questions today on the Get Ready for the Future show. First up is Amy from Little Rock. And Amy says, I'm 29 and my husband and I are saving for our next house. I'm having a difficult time convincing him to increase our Roth IRA contributions to the maximum allowed instead of saving everything for a down payment. So which of us is right? We're settling arguments today on the Get Ready for the Future show. I'm not going to get into that, but let's talk about uh, the the things that Amy and her husband should be considering. Well, let's first of all say that, you know, uh, for law enforcement officers, their worst call is a domestic dispute. And, <laughs> and we're not going to get ourselves in the middle of a domestic dispute, but we do want to walk through some things with you to try to understand a little bit more about what's going on. Uh, I think uh, the big question that I would ask is how much are you saving now Mm. and what's the differential between what you're saving and what you could save in this Roth IRA? Now, Scott, the maximum contribution for uh, folks like Amy who are 29, married and filing jointly is $6,500 a year. So, you know, we're not probably talking about a lot of money here, but let's kind of walk through this. Assuming that you're doing half right now, so $3,200 a year. You might wait and use the equity in your current home as a down payment on the new home. I think if you said that our next home, so I'm going to make the assumption that you have a a home currently and it has some equity in it. So that could be your down payment. 
also, I think it's important that, that if your house payment going forward, the next house payment is higher, how will that affect your, your savings? I think that's part of something, Scott, yeah. called lifestyle inflation, yeah. where people, as they make more money, they tend to increase their lifestyle, increase the value of their home uh, or whatever the case may be. They end up spending more money. And sometimes the savings component can be an afterthought. Yeah, I had a realtor years ago when I was looking for a house, John, tell me that you want to you want to really stretch and get as much house as you can because you'll grow into it. Well, that may or may not happen, right? <laughs> I mean, it did for me. Uh, the assumption was correct, but I don't think you want to make a mortgage payment decision based on what's the on the outer end of what you can afford today. Because like you said, what it did do to me was really I did reel, reel back on retirement contributions yeah. for some time until I grew into it. And that was not a good thing from a retirement perspective. I would say this to Amy, you can never save too much for retirement. But you do need to probably find some life and future life balance, right? So that that's where we're really talking about. I think the retirement, you can't, you can't walk away from it. You have to have a, a savings plan in place. And how do you know how, if you're saving enough, right? And we don't know about our 401k or anything like that. We're talking only about the Roth IRA. We really need a holistic uh, look at how much is going into future retirement savings for you and your husband, and where will that put you at your desired retirement date? Have you given much thought to that? Do you want to retire early? Are you planning to work until you're 65? And those are hard things to answer when you're 29, but they deserve a little bit of attention. You at least have to have a target. Yeah, I think so, Scott. And I think that you've got to examine your priorities very carefully, Amy. I think that retirement is a necessity, but a new home may or may not be a necessity. Yeah. I don't really understand the, the dynamics of your family or anything of that nature. But think about the, the issue of instant gratification versus a long-term plan. It's very gratifying to move into a new home. I've done it twice. And, and so it's a very gratifying feeling. But here is the, the real bottom line. According to Bankrate.com, 74% of Americans are not saving enough for retirement, and they see that as a big regret. A lot of people who arrive at retirement say, I wish I had saved more money for retirement. Well, you can't go back and undo that. I think you've got to take care of what you know you're going to have to have, which is retirement first, and then accommodate what you need through other means. And and one other thing I'll say about this, Scott, uh, the wife is wanting yes. to save in the Roth IRA. Even if she prevails, it's not a one and done, you uh, fait accompli that there is you know no way to, to go back on that. Matter of fact, the earnings, this is a little known fact, mm -hmm. but the earnings in the Roth IRA have to stay in there. But the principle of a Roth IRA can be extracted from a Roth IRA at any time and not have taxes or penalties associated with it. You already have paid taxes on that money, so it's free and clear to come out of the Roth IRA. Now, is that a good idea to do? Probably not, but if you have to have it for a have-to-have-it down payment on a have-to-have-it house then you may have that alternative. So I don't know that we solved this problem, Scott, but there are some things to think about here. Mm -hmm. And I, I'm always going to come down on erring on the side of investing for the future yeah. and trying to maintain what you've got as long as you can. With that little known detail about the Roth, I say it all the time, it is the most flexible and most underutilized retirement vehicle out there. Yes. It, it is good to get money into a Roth IRA no matter who you are.
And one little caveat, too, when you were talking about lifestyle inflation, before we move on to our next question, uh, you have to think about the other costs associated with that home, too, not just the mortgage payment, right? Yeah. I mean, the maintenance on it, the utility bills are going to go up if it's a bigger house. And you're assuming that they're going to get a bigger house. Uh, the taxes are going to be more. The insurance is going to be more. The yard maintenance is going to yeah. be more. You'll have a bigger yard, and you'll have probably live in a nicer neighborhood, so you want to keep it up, you know, and all of that type mm-hmm. of thing. Uh, I shudder to think how much I spent on things that are not my mortgage at yeah. my house. I once walked around when I when we built our uh, our house several years ago now, and we stepped up from a pretty significant in pretty significant size, and for the first time since it was a newer home. Uh, we had the can lights everywhere, right? That yeah. had the the seven. Back then, they were still fluorescent. They weren't uh, LED, so they were a little cheaper. They were about six or seven dollars a piece. And I remember walking through the house, counting how many I had, and thinking <laughs> about just the annual cost to replace those, and how significant that was at the time to me. So you do have to consider uh, more than just that mortgage payment. Amy, thanks for your question. We hope you ha- we hope we helped uh, give you some insight. I uh, can't tell you exactly what to do, but certainly can give you some things to consider. If you've got questions, get them to us on the Get Ready for the Future show. You can call 501-381-5228. Now, that number allows you to leave a voicemail. You can leave a question that way, and we might even play the audio on the air. Or you can just text it to that same number to hear your questions on the air. Our next question is from Mitchell in Bryant. And Mitchell writes, I've been investing and saving for over 26 years. I'm 58. And I'm thankfully confident that I can retire comfortably, but I've never really given much thought to what happens with the leftover when I'm gone. How should I work that into my overall plan? Great question from Mitchell. First of all, not too many people think they are comfortably ready for retirement. And I I would probably ask Mitchell to make sure he has a very detailed retirement income plan written on paper on purpose that shows him his monthly income and make sure raises are included in that because you can't have a flat income for your entire retirement. How is it going to work? So what what is he basing his comfortability on? I hope it's a written plan. Yeah, so there's that issue. Now let's talk about this leftover issue because leftovers are good. You know, mm-hmm. uh, I, I'm not a big leftover fan. My wife will tell you that <laughs> I, I try to avoid them if at all possible, but leftovers in terms of retirement are good. But I think the question uh, comes, Mitchell didn't say this, but if Mitchell is married uh, very likely a couple's resources are going to need to cover, both couples' resources are going to need to cover two lives. And very often we see one spouse being kind of the leader in the retirement area. They've made more money, they've saved more money and that type of thing. Uh, and so you've got to think if you're married, you've got to stretch this money, not over just your life, but uh, probably your spouse's life. Scott, I, I think a mistake that people make when it comes to this whole issue of retirement is they think very insular, very just, they think think compartmentalized, just this is my retirement, this is her retirement. No, really it's your retirement, the two of you together, because Social Security, even though it's based on individuals, they work together and there could be a spousal benefit component uh, to Social Security. Oftentimes the breadwinner, the biggest breadwinner in the family has the most in 401k savings and IRA savings and things of that nature. So I think you've got to think about that and understand what is this money going to ultimately be responsible for. Now, obviously, if it's responsible for a spouse, that's a more immediate need than if you want to pass it on to your family. But if you pass it on to your family, Scott, I think that you've got to think about 
the impact of the SECURE Act, which we've talked about on this show before, and how that literally is going to change the face of how retirement accounts are being handled by what we will call non-spouse beneficiaries like children and grandchildren. That SECURE Act, and there's been two of them now, and in fact, on our Fastest 4 Minutes in Finance, we're talking about some new provisions on SECURE 2.0, but the first SECURE Act changed the way inherited IRAs have to be withdrawn. So let's kind of walk through this, and, and we're, we're going to assume for just a minute that Mitchell is married, So and we're going to assume that most of his retirement is in an IRA. So let's say if Mitchell has a million dollars, in his IRA, and he begins to withdraw off that. He's retired comfortably. He passes away, and there's five hundred thousand dollars left uh, in that IRA. If it, if he, if his spouse is still living, really nothing changes for her. It, right. it, it transfers into her name. She, depending on her age, would possibly still have to take small portions out of it in what's called a required minimum distribution. At her passing, though, when it goes to the next generation, and the SECURE Act defines the next generation as 10 years or more younger than the owner of the IRA, so it could actually be a younger sibling, right, if you pass the the funds on that way, but typically it's going to be the next generation, then the rules are, let's say if $500,000 came to the son of those two uh, now deceased parents, that son would have to withdraw those funds completely over a 10-year period. At the end of that 10 years, it has to be all withdrawn. So think about the tax implications of that. If that is being stacked on top of someone and uh, someone's higher earning years, right, it's likely going to be taxed much higher than if it was withdrawn over a longer period of time. And I actually had this happen. uh, We had uh, a gentleman come into our office not that long ago. He has an 82-year-old father who received a spousal IRA from his deceased wife. And there's a there's $2 million in this IRA. And the person that came in to see us is the sole heir of that $2 million. And his dad is 82 and not in great health. When and if he passes away, if there's $2 million in that IRA, that son is going to receive all of it and have to take it out over 10 years. And if he makes $150,000, $160,000 already, and he's single too, by the way, so that, that means he's in a higher tax bracket already because he's not married. That's all going to pile in one of the highest tax brackets he could possibly imagine. He has a huge tax problem, and he recognized that. That's why he was coming in to see us. Yeah, and there's some things that, that can be done in that regard. Yep. So I think that that's a, a real good path to go on. But I think that also if you go back to the question about what to do with the leftovers, I, if you're not single and you've got this situation, then I think it's even more critical that you have a retirement income plan that allows you to maximize the income from your assets. If you don't have any particular need to leave money behind to someone, then don't. Uh, Have a way of utilizing as much of that money as you possibly can. Now, what you don't want to do, and here's the balancing act, Scott, you don't want to run out of money before you run out of time because that's going to be a real problem. Mm -hmm. So you have to carefully craft a retirement income plan with an advisor to be sure that you've got all those bases covered. And I think that that one of the things that I would say that that you could fall into in a case like this is living that just-in-case retirement, right? where you've got this money and you're going to take some out and you, uh, I don't know if I need to spend that just in case something happens, just in case I live a lot longer than I thought I would. 
just in case I need to go to the nursing home. There are ways to craft this where you can maximize the amount of retirement income that you can get and still cover that longevity base. Yeah, when you have a written retirement income plan that shows you what you can take out and it's based on some conservative rates of return over a long period of time, it gives you the freedom to spend, right? You have yep. the ability to do that. And you can even maybe maybe even begin to take more out than you thought you could. And there are options to get that out of the IRA uh, so that it's not passed on and you're giving your kids a huge tax problem. And if that's a concern of you, just a couple of things that we can, we can throw out there. Uh, ahead of time, there could be some Roth conversions made, right? So the Roth IRA as we already talked about in this show, is completely tax-free when it's withdrawn. Now, it is subject to the SECURE Act provisions. In other words, it still has to come out in 10 years. But if it's in a tax-free account, there's no taxable impact of that right. for uh, the heir to pull that out. Now, you have to be careful about doing that. It's going to be hard to get the whole thing in there because, obviously, you're going to have to pay the taxes on it in the year that you convert it, whatever amount you do. Right. And I would say also, uh, probably uh, in a situation where somebody is trying to maximize the tax benefit to their non-spouse beneficiary, is they might look at life insurance to to provide the money and spend the IRA. That way, you know that there is a, a substantial amount of money going to go tax-free to the heirs, and you don't have to worry about what happens with that traditional IRA account. One final thought on that before we move on to the next question. Another thing, when it comes to taxation, when it comes to uh, not really, uh, when you're worried about the leftovers, if you really think there's going to be a large sum at the end, there is something called a QCD, uh, a qualified charitable distribution. So if you're taking an RMD, uh, if you're of age, and really, actually, you can be pre-RMD age now because the QCD can be done at 70 and a half. So if at 70 and a half, you can actually send money out of your IRA directly to a qualified charitable institution, and that money is not taxed. Now, now you're not going to get to spend it, but you're also not going to have to pay taxes. Yeah, and, and uh, that is a qualified charitable uh, distribution that goes to that institution, and you can give up to $100,000 yeah. each year in that regard. That's a huge, huge benefit it if is. you really are thinking uh, in, from a charitable mindset. All right, so let's move on to our next question from Reggie in Jonesboro. Reggie writes, I'm getting closer to retirement, 61, he says, and even though I've got a good amount saved, I'm worried about rising health care costs. What should I plan for? Man, that's a great question from Reggie. Great time to be uh, thinking about it. He's a little bit short of Medicare age. Obviously, Medicare is the first thing you think about, John, when you think about retirees' health care, and it is a great program that covers a lot, but there, there are costs to think about with it. Yeah, and so let's talk about short-term and long-term problems here. The short-term problem is you've got some short-term issues that you've got to deal with. As Scott alluded to, you've got Medicare Part B premiums. Medicare Part A is free. Everybody gets that at 65. You don't have to pay for it out of pocket. It's something the government provides to you through the tax dollars that they collect. Medicare Part B premiums could be tolerable or they could be very expensive. It all depends on IRMA. Now, I had an Aunt Irma, and she's long gone and passed away, but this isn't the Irma that we're talking about. This is the IRMAA. It is the government's word for basically means testing the cost of Medicare Part B. If you make a lot of money, then they're going to charge you the Irma tax on top of the standard Medicare benefit. The standard Medicare benefit is about $183 a month. But Irma, Scott, can go up to $428 per month 
per person depending mm. on your income. Yeah, so how much you're taking out in retirement, which would go back to those IRAs, right? If you're taking huge IRA distributions, if you've got a big pension, your Social Security, all of that piles in there to the income that you're paying taxes on. And if you're having a very robust retirement, that's something to uh, consider is that your Medicare Part B premium could be very expensive, up to $428 per person. Yeah, and I misspoke. The base premium on Medicare right now is about $165 a month, but it could be as much as $428 depending on your income. Now, so you got that. You also have a Medicare supplement policy that, that you will likely need unless you have some uh, tail coverage off of the uh uh, employer plan that you have some companies allow for uh, them to continue to carry retiree benefits for health care and if that's the case then that actually will p- be the supplement to medicare but most likely you will need some type of medicare supplement coverage that would be provided by an insurance company some people opt for medicare advantage because they think that it's a cheaper issue Uh, We can demonstrate very clearly to you that Medicare Advantage is not always the best choice for most people. So you've got deductibles and coinsurance that you've got to deal with. All of that's in the short term. Scott, I think the bigger problem and the one that uh, that, uh, Reggie may be asking more about Mm. is the long-term problem. And in 2022, if you take an average 65-year-old couple, Fidelity did a study and they found out that the average 65-year-old couple will spend about $315,000 in their lifetime on health care. Most of that cost is largely sort of of end-of-life type expenses and things of that nature, but a big part of that is long-term care expenses. When you think about nursing home care, home health care, hospice care, all of those kind of lump into the long-term care category, Scott, that can devastate someone's retirement portfolio. Yeah, and that is something, Reggie, if you're 61, you need to be addressing right now. With a retirement income plan, you can determine where you fall in one of three silos, right? And most people who have assets, uh, when he says he's got a good amount saved, this would certainly be Reggie. Uh, Most people who have assets would not be one of those three because Medicaid is the option for people with no assets or very, very little assets. The other two options become, are you going to be able to self-insure in the event of a long-term care need, or are you going to need to leverage an insurance company and get a long-term care insurance policy? This is something we talk about with all of our clients who are about to retire, and really it, it needs to be addressed between 55 and 60, but Reggie can certainly do it at 61. Uh, if you have overfunded retirement, as we would say, based on the income needs you have and the assets that you have, then there is a possibility to self-insure. You can put aside a, a silo of money that is designated for and invested for the event of a long-term care need. But if you can't, uh, you have to look at, are you going to be eligible? Do you qualify for a long-term care insurance policy? Let's spend just a couple of minutes on talk about that because people hear about that. I know they're interested in it. They don't really like to get serious about it because it's something that is not the good news of retirement. It's the right. bad news of retirement. But it's the reality. Statistics tell us that 70% of Americans are going to need some sort of long-term care. So what do you do? Well, if, if as far as the insurance options that are out there now, the traditional long-term care policy, which most people are familiar with, is a use-it-or-lose-it proposition. In other words, you're going to pay premiums uh, for a policy that will pay for you if you need long-term care. What if you don't? What if you're in that 30% that don't wind up needing it? If you uh, pass away suddenly from a heart attack, you've used 
all of your money for those premiums and you never got any benefit from them. And oh, by the way, that premium is likely to go up over time. Whatever it starts at is not likely to be what it's going to be when you actually need care. So can you afford the increases in that insurance policy about the time you need them? Sometimes it's people step off of that care, off of that policy and walk away from it because they can no longer afford it. Those are the downsides of a traditional policy. The other side of that is, is a hybrid policy. And these are relatively new in the industry. It's a life insurance policy, but it has a long-term care rider on it. So let's explain what that is. Basically, the way we describe it to people, John, is that you're buying a pool of money. Right. Someone yeah. is going to get paid. So if you are, if you do not need that care, you're part of the 30% that doesn't, then you're going to be able to pass that pool of money onto uh, your heir as a death benefit. But if you need it for care, you'll be able to drain it until it's done. There is an end to it. It's not unlimited in that case but you'll be able to pull off of it. And as you you were fond of saying, John, it's not really long-term care insurance it's or nursing home insurance. It's stay out of the nursing home insurance. Yeah, you've got lots of options with that uh, money. It's actually at your discretion how you spend that money. You don't have to have uh, a licensed provider or anything of that nature. It clearly could be paid to a, a caregiver that's in your family or what have you. Or you could modify your house to accommodate for a disability. There's all kinds of things that you can do with the hybrid life long-term care policy as opposed to the pot type of policy that Scott was previously talking about, which we generally call traditional long-term care insurance. So some options there, or you could look at self-insuring, but you have to understand how that might impact other people that, as our previous uh, caller asked about, other people that might be depending upon that nest egg of money mm -hmm. that you could use for their retirement income if it were not for that long-term care need. And one other thing to, to think about for Reggie and anyone else listening, getting close to retirement, worried about health care costs, and you heard that number, average 65-year-old couple will spend $315,000 over their lifetime on health care costs. Not all of that is long-term care. So there's going to be a lot of out-of-pocket expenses, so you need to have assets saved so that you can pay for those. But you can also, if you have a health savings account option, I would get after that for sure. Health savings accounts are great because you can put money in pre-tax and, and then use that for unreimbursed medical expenses. Uh, clearly something that, that Reggie ought to look into as well. And Reggie, by the way, uh, we have an insurance expert on our team here at GenWealth, and we can help you with that if you simply reach out to us at our phone number, 866-653-PLAN. That's 866-653-7526. And one final note, too, if there is a – we started with Medicare. We started with 65, but Reggie is 61. If Reggie wants to retire before 65, then he's going to have to find some health care coverage, some health insurance prior to Medicare age. So if you're retiring before age 65, know that Tony can help in that regard, too. He can go out into the marketplace and find a policy. And really, here's one of the things I think people don't realize. If you're in good health and willing to be underwritten for that policy, it's really not as expensive as you might think. Yeah, and, and depending on your income, there are some uh, uh, income benefits that yes. they give you to offset some of the actual cost of care. So it could be a very viable option for folks that are let's say middle income folks that are trying to get to retirement and and they would retire but for the need for health care coverage. It's something that we can explore for you, help you to understand what that looks like and make an informed decision. I think Scott really and truly on all of this stuff 
it's really all about making an informed decision about everything that you're doing, Mm -hmm. looking at all sides of this. And oftentimes you don't have time to think about that. It's a, it's a burden to do all the research and everything. And it's what we do every day. And so what we've done here at GenWealth is to assemble a team of experts in different areas of finance that we can pull together to solve whatever problems that you have coming to us with and and try to deal with those in a very effective way and give you options. Life is all about having options. When you have options, you feel like you have freedom. And when you are able to choose your course through a a well-researched situation where you go, okay, I've got option A, option B, or option C, I choose to do this, then you have made an informed decision instead of some knee-jerk reaction or hearing something on social media that you think, oh, that sounds good, I'm going to do that. That's where you get in trouble financially, and, and I've never seen anyone regret the planning process. Yeah, when it comes to money, no decision should be made in a vacuum. It should be made holistically because whatever decision you make on one end is going to affect something else. You heard that bell in the background. It is time for our final thoughts and our apologies to Alice. We had a question from Alice in Little Rock. So stay tuned, Alice. We'll get that next week on the Get Ready for the Future show. Just ran out of time today. So John, we'll start with you. What's your final thought? Scott, I want to encourage everyone to sign up to come see Jeffrey Roach. It is an event that we're calling What's Up with the Economy? Uh, There's a lot of confusion, a lot of concern about the economy, a lot of differing opinions out there. Jeffrey Roach is the uh, chief economist for LPL Financial, the nation's largest independent broker-dealer and the broker-dealer that we use here at GenWealth. He is an expert at what's going on in the economy and the markets and what have you. And we've got him coming to Little Rock on August 22nd at 630 at the Chenal Event Center. All you have to do is to go to our website, getreadyforthefuture.com forward slash economy and sign up for that event. You do need to sign up for it because we've obviously got limited space at the Chanel Events Center in West Little Rock. So that event is coming up on August 22nd. Please make your plans to attend. We'd love to see you there. My final thought, another offer for you, absolutely free for you to get to download from GenWealth. As we told you at the top of the show, we're all about helping people discover, protect, and shape true financial independence. And we have this offering, Seven Steps to financial independence. You can receive it free by texting the word STEPS to 501-381-5228. Or if you'd rather go online, you can go to getreadyforthefuture.com forward slash steps. Or another way to get it is just email us. Email it to show at getreadyforthefuture.com and download your free offering, Seven Steps to Financial Independence, as we help you discover, protect, and share financial independence. Well, that's all the time we had. Went by fast today, didn't it? John only got three questions in instead of the four, but we're going to get to Alice next week and get your questions to us. Send it to 501-381-5228. You can text it or you can leave a voicemail. Thank you for listening to the Get Ready for the Future show. If you enjoy hearing from the Gen Wealth team every week, make sure and subscribe to the podcast. And you can always find us on social media. Search for Gen Wealth Financial Advisors on Facebook or on Twitter at Gen Wealth FA. The Gen Wealth Financial team is available to you 24 7 at info at getreadyforthefuture.com or call our offices at 866 653 PLAN. That's 866 653 7522. You should personally consult a financial advisor before making any investment and no strategy can assure success. Securities offered through LP.
IPL Financial, member FINRA SIPC. Investment advice offered through Independent Advisor Alliance. Independent Advisor Alliance and GenWealth Financial Advisors are separate entities from LPL Financial.